Well, hey, hey, Gundamaniacs. Welcome to the Gundam Explained Show. It is uh, January 18th, a cold January 18th. It's been very cold for a lot of people um, of this year, 2024. I got to keep remembering that. I keep typing 2023 in official <laughs> documentation still. Um, but yeah, I'm your host, Adam Blue. Um, it's so fun to be able to talk Gundam every week, especially with Steven of Midnight Hatter. Steven, what's up, man? Hey, cheers. I, I got to tell you, I am in pain this morning. Um, I was in the process of letting my dog outside and, you know, without giving too much away, you know, my I have a two-story house. Like the, I go into the basement to let my dog out into the backyard. And I was in the process of sending some nasty tweets this morning and lost my footing and went oh. down the stairs. Like, b- before I realized I could... <laughs> what was happening i was already at the bottom of the stairs just like ow ow was this from ice no no this is inside i don't know oh inside on the stairs oh wow (laughs) but so you say it's because you're so focused on some angry tweets yeah you know how it is like you when when someone's wrong on the internet it just (laughs) sometimes you you lose your footing so oh oh, man i think that's a lesson Right. Yeah, someone was someone was trying to tell me, are you sure you want to send this tweet? And then the funny thing is, is when I got to the bottom of the stairs, I was still holding my phone. And you know how if you shake your phone, it does like undo typing. It's like, oh, do you want to undo this? Time? Oh, wow. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. That's kind of like, uh, yeah, the universe is saying something, I guess. I don't know. Exactly. The real dangers of disinformation is what the <laughs> Talos is saying. <laughs> No, but um, no, that's cool. Well, yeah, and that and that's crazy because I was about to say, well, that uh, thinking you slipped on ice, you know, that's but I guess that was inside. So that <laughs> bad segue. Thanks, Steve. No, <laughs> but um, no, it's been so cold and crazy here the past um, that like week or whatever. I mean, I guess it's different for everyone, but I think it's just like this past week is like a major storm, winter storm cell came through. Like, yeah, um, Monday was a holiday, Martin Luther King. Uh, birthday and then tuesday uh the kids didn't have school because there was snow um and so it was like the kids got a nice little two days off after coming back from being off for uh christmas now you're coming off the back of a couple of office floods and so how has the winter weather affected you know your irrigation you know i'm glad that you got that ditch kind of dug out because i can only imagine it's bad enough having water pool around your electronics and your Gundams. But then like when that water becomes ice. Well, you know, it's funny you say that. Cause that, that triggered the, that I had a dream. It must've been a couple days ago where water was coming in again. And I'm like, Oh my God. Like that's actually been a thing a couple times this past month or so where I'll have a dream of water coming into my office. Like I just see it somewhere. I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> but no, it's uh so what's interesting is I had to pull up, you know, where I have the fake grass, like, the framing around the cement that's right outside my office. I had to pull it up to dig the ditch and I haven't put it back yet because I need the guy. We're going to have him come do it, but I, we need to cut a channel into the wood framing so water can go under there anyway. Yeah. Um, so it's just been sitting up, which is fine because yeah, as the, the snow was melting and all the way, like nothing's coming in. So it's good. good. And the way I arranged the office now is there's like a, a gap between the um, sliding glass door, which is the main culprit, uh, uh-huh. and and uh, the, like my desk here. So I, I had a, a like a little bookcase there, and that was like blocking me to clean it quickly. But um, yeah, it's yeah, it's been a wild ride, and yeah, luckily with the snow and the water, it hasn't been too big of a deal. But real quick, I want to give a shout out. Um, Let's see. Ian hits a great way to start my day off in self-care recharge than watching my dudes talk about some good old Gundam stuff. Yeah, that's a good way to start yeah. the morning. But yeah, shout out to Ian, Talos, AC Bandit, Jagan Fan, uh, Johnny Tacoma, Dan Vince. Good to see you all. And seeing some of you all again after yesterday's uh, live stream uh, on your channel. Uh, links in the description. Always a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. That was, um, you know, we got to talk about some some in-person Gundam hangouts, which doesn't happen as often as I think it used to or or should for, sure. for that matter. So, yeah, no, that was actually fun to kind of 
uh, hear what it's like where you're at doing these Gundam meetups or build nights because there's a lot of people, it sounded like, a lot of different variety of hobbyists. So that's, yeah, that's yeah, definitely really cool. cool. Um, yeah, so, um, you know, for today's, oh, sorry, I'm like live, like adjusting things. No, but for today's <laughs> show, there's not a lot of crazy Gundam news. I think really the next thing we're all waiting for is freedom to drop. Yeah. And we watch that. And here's the thing. It comes out, what, the 26th? But we don't know, like, is there going to be an English sub? Would there be an English dub? Which you think there would be, right? Because I would hope so. Even, and I don't know if it has a dub, but like Stargazer got re-released on Blu-ray or, or reprint or whatever um, recently. And that in Twilight Axis. Because that used to like be on eBay for like $100, but it was on the Crunchyroll store for like 20 or something. There you go. Yeah, so... But I'm anyway, gonna, I feel have to snag that because I do like that. Uh, I mean, I know that the the story is not as exciting and it doesn't really build the lore as much as, say, like narrative does. You right. know, we had that long conversation last week about narrative, but I, I thought it was a nice little addition. And I love the design of the Tristan and that that custom Zaku three. So same here. And and I like that. Again, it's it's an example of like a short you know, it's a few little shorts that are like smashed together. So it's a way to get some quick, cool Gundam animation with cool suit designs that kind of fill in a little bit of lore. You know, it's not yeah. anything crazy, but um, yeah, Johnny Dacoma talking about the third party GPO2, the Master Grade. I don't know if you saw that. That looks yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I haven't, yeah, dived into that third party stuff, but I might need to because there's that third party Metal Zeta that I want to get that uh, enthusiast i think it is over on the discord has shown off that looks great yeah yeah there's some really cool stuff out there and i i know that i've seen a lot of really awesome looking 3d printed kits that have kind of uh gone around and of course like you know if you read some of these articles about like um what's the builder's name like god fingers and things like that like the, they'll say like you know yeah these these stls are not actually available because it is a third party kit like it's not something that you can buy you can't get your hands on the 3d printed files it's just something for you to look at and it's like hmm, i bet you can find a way to get those uh to get those yeah. parts <laughs> yeah. yeah there's got to be a way obviously yeah. um but no that's uh no pretty cool and um yeah so what has been going on this week gundam wise so uh, for me last week i remember i was expecting a, a package to arrive right before the live stream it didn't i was saying hey maybe it'll be during the live stream and it didn't it was right after um but Perfect. it's really cool guys so check this out i love you know i like collecting the little uh this isn't the new one but i like collecting these little figures a new one they came out with is pretty obscure um if i can get that to so it's a federation and, and it's cool that she's got this jacket this I is a character that. from the seventh team named sally and yeah. I, and I, it's like, I vaguely remember, I think looking that up, but then like lost that it's such an obscure character, lost it to memory. Um, but they actually made a figure of her, which I find interesting, although it's not accurate. They decided to make her, um, just with a small top, which <laughs> actually in the, I want to say in the episode, unless there's a part of this that I forget, she was just wearing an earth Federation jacket. I think it was sleeveless or something. So it's kind of weird that they went for this. I don't know. Well, you know, there's uh, probably concerns about um, overexposure. <laughs> <laughs> Getting someone to, you know, buy uh, something like this, it's easier when there's more skin to be shown. But yeah. also came with this uh, Earth Federation motorcycle that has that can hold a, a rifle. That's awesome. Yeah, like, and I have the uh, the Xeon bike too. So it's like these aren't mobile suits, but it's still cool because it's part of the like the military weaponry. You know, I'm always into that facet of uh, Gundam and stuff. So um, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, really, and and it's cool because this also came with an alternate head of a uh, brown hair, uh, brown. I think it's brown long hair and sunglasses. So, Interesting. yeah, and I don't know if that's supposed to be another character, but they really make these. It's just so cool because I have like, you know, the pilots, the yeah, I have the 
Federation off and like it's like cool how you can just change heads around. They all come with yeah. alternate heads, so you can really make some cool, unique army uh, soldiers, like individuals. And I went by your suggestion yesterday uh, on your stream, and I they're coming in the mail tomorrow. But nice. the tiny magnets that I'm oh, going yeah. to, you know, uh, glue right into the bottom here of the foot, and there is a small cavity. It might be hard to see on screen. There's a small cavity that I could. Uh, you know, not have to worry about it being too far in. Well, I'm and glad you mentioned that because these are some of the magnets. Like, so the one I showed on stream yesterday, obviously was a little bit larger and kind of flat. These ones are ones that I've used on miniatures before. Wow. Um, this is a stack of them, man. I don't know if I'm ever going to get the so camera small. to focus on these, but um, I mean, they're one millimeter in diameter. Uh, if I, I would lose one of these if I, took well yep that's gone <laughs> so, just get a giant um, magnet and wipe it across the floor. yeah i mean i have a uh so funny you mentioned that i have a magnetic sheet here this is oh, just yeah. like a flexible uh we used it well back when i worked in retail we used these for signs like you know we'd put print signage pasted on some of these uh magnetic sheets and then we could swap out signage for various purposes Mark, so i was like i'm taking some of that home and using it for gundam stuff <laughs> This is how I pick up magnets and loose metal parts on the floor. So that screw and stuff like that. That's that's pretty smart. Um, so then I did, yeah. I bought these, you know, like on the back of phones, you can get those little metal plates that you can stick on. I bought yeah. like a whole pack of those. So what I'll do is yeah, magnetize the feet, probably just one on each, and then be able to, you know, because that's the that's the main problem with these. As much as I like these. Even if I took my time to set them up, one falling, they're all going to fall. They're, they're, like, it's, I'm surprised they didn't try to come up with a system to already have a way to stand them. So, yeah. luckily, I'll solve it. Maybe I'll make a video about it. I just don't know how many people actually are into these, like, here in, in the West. Yeah, I mean, they're so awesome. And I love, like you said, they they make these, like, kind of... Uh, obscure characters and and they're good good army builders it's like having an army of kenner stormtroopers it's it's awesome yeah, yeah that that's the thing that much more articulated yeah and that's yeah it brings me back to when i was into collecting the, you know the star figures at that size i have like maybe 16 stormtroopers because they come out with one version then later come out with more articulation and then one that's more accurate and then more articulation there's even a time where i was custom building them because you would take one version they had and then they released a new one it was still inaccurate but part of it was accurate so then i'd kit bash and then make all these accurate stormtroopers and then they just came out with accurate stormtroopers um, eventually that, that was just a, a crazy time in my life where i was so obsessed of ha with having accurate star wars action figures hey i mean that's what my little brother does with uh marvel legends figures you know oh. he's like He's done things where he'll like make a TV show accurate Loki by taking like a Loki head and putting it on like a, a you know, a, a daredevil casual outfit body where it's like, oh, he's wearing like a suit and tie oh, yeah. and everything. So, I mean, it's such a I, honestly, I think that there is definitely a market and, you know, Bandai, whatever Hasbro, whatever company, whatever toy company is listening to this podcast right now, there is definitely a market for just like kit bash figures and if you were to just make like a grab bag of like here's 10 heads four bodies Hands, like yeah arm joints or something yeah you're you're right and and that's what's interesting because if you go like on instagram especially if you're into like the toy collecting you'll see like all of these people that create and make custom things for your action figures uh whether that's 3d printing you know like you're doing or they cast things or that fabric they'll make like capes and and stuff like that so you know all that stuff uh oh the foosh is a perfect example of a company that does that yeah oh there we go yeah the foosh i used to watch them all the time it's it just then it's like it, when i'm done it's like okay i'm gonna go buy those and it's like i can't do that that and toy no. galaxy have have you watched toy galaxy no i, I think it's now called secret galaxy there's a guy named dan larson awesome host he went from reviewing toys to then coming up with segments that are more, it's more like a TV show where he's a host talking about like toy lines, shows from the past. And then he started a second YouTube to just talk about the toy review part. But 
really really cool uh really cool channel um that's awesome yeah i'm gonna have to look yeah. into that yeah and, and of course i always recommend um craftsman because like you know he gave a huge shout out to like the glios fi figure system oh yeah um which you know that's like an open source obviously limited articulation it's just peg joints but it, you can create action figures of that like kenner three yeah, era yeah. scale that five so. poa i think that's what's considered yeah mm -hmm. the which is interesting because i see that stuff all the time like in target and like i i wonder if there's going to be a time soon where that stuff is not going to be popular anymore like i think there's like this age where people have that income disposable income for stuff like that but they grew up with it and then it's going to shift and then what's going to be like the next adult targeted toy line right of, collectors yeah yeah exactly <laughs> but in then in some ways i feel like it's blending too which i think is good that's why i think stuff like Fortnite is good and good things that come out of the internet is things mm -hmm. become timeless because you because you know someone young can stumble across a youtube video maybe about the real ghostbusters cartoon and then like be into that in, in a way you know that kids nowadays aren't because doesn't exist anymore um yeah and and i mean especially with the way that um physical media is now sort of on the way out and being gate kept uh you know well i don't know if gate kept is the right term but you know I, i'm sure you uh commented on that that ubisoft news about like oh well you better get used to not owning your games oh, like yeah. you're just gonna you're just gonna license games from companies in the future and you know we had that conversation a couple weeks ago about plastic reduction and how you know yeah action figures might not be a thing in the future anyway because yeah of you know just a transition so so i mean i think that future generations either everything's going to be like all digital or there's just going to be a different way of having these types of products and ways of enjoying things that maybe or like ar and vr gets to a point where it satisfies that need of like interacting instead of looking at you know like uh, i it's it's gonna be something um yeah yeah barry b talking about has been trying to kill 3.75 uh, lines yeah so it's interesting because they had a cool marvel line marvel universe that were 3.75 inch about figures they killed that but that came back yeah and i haven't bought any of them yet but they they're a little they're not as articulated and they're more standard but they're still high quality I haven't tried any of them yet. It's just I'm I'm trying not to get back <laughs> to that stuff. Um, but with Star Wars, it's been interesting because for a while they'd come out with like reused Star Wars stuff. And I think the problem was was less Hasbro and more this how they how uh Lucasfilm or Disney treated Star Wars because during the sequel trilogy, the figures weren't selling that great for like Rise of Skywalker. They didn't make many figures from that movie because people weren't buying them. Yeah, but when they would come out with like the like uh, legacy Man collections, yeah, the, the it was the Mandalorian. Um, you know, Hasbro has their Kickstarter. They do, yeah, for the Mandalorian uh, Pulse. Yeah, yeah, the Hasbro Pulse thing, and it was that. It was the Sail Barge. Uh, the most recent one, I think, was the Ghost from Rebels. Like people are eating that stuff up. It's like if they make it good quality, people will buy it. Or if it comes from a good source, people will buy it. But like Rise of Skywalker, you know, it even though those were good figures. Um Yeah. And I'm I was watching a I was watching a movie review recently of well, you know, you and I have been talking about this a lot for the last few months, but I was watching a movie review of Robocop and uh they were talking about the bad guys from Robocop. And and this I pro I promise this is related. <laughs> um so one of the things about like recent Star Wars and like Marvel movies and just kind of films in general, when you have like an action film with like a superhero or like a secret agent or some type of hero that is fighting against an organization or a group of bad guys, the bad guys are all these generic SWAT looking like, do you, do you recognize any bad guys from like Age of Ultron? that aren't just Ultron. Do you recognize any of the bad guys besides like maybe the one or two guys that they fought at the end of like Endgame, but that aren't Thanos, you know, it's like you've got all these just like nameless faceless baddies that just get swept aside. But then you go back to like eighties movies like RoboCop and it's like yeah. 
uh, Boddicker's gang, each one of those guys had like a personality. It yeah. was like it was like Cobra. You know, you had like you, you had individual like lieutenants and bad guys that you could make action figures of. So what I'm getting at is like when you have a movie like Rise of Skywalker, who's the bad guy? You have Palpatine. Yeah. And, and Kylo Ren. Like you, you don't have enough people to make figures of. Yeah. So no, why would you point. even even the Knights of Ren stuff like they made one figure and that was about it. And it, in you know, that's interesting because there's a movie. Did you ever see the movie Blind Fury with Rutger? No, Howard? I didn't see that one. You got to see it. Amazing movie came out late 80s. Maybe I, I forget when exactly, but it's a guy that was in Vietnam. Um, his friend tried to save him. There was like a grenade that went off. And then the guy went blind and then he was just the villagers took him in, were just helping him. And then once he was able to recover, he went back to the States to look for his friend. And he has like a cane and sunglasses and he's just doing everything blind. But he his cane has a sword in it and he's become like a badass. That's awesome. Uh, and what's cool in that is they do the same thing. There's the main villain and then the henchmen. But each henchman is like a character. So whenever there's scenes where the bad guys have to do something, the henchmen are doing it as characters or when they're like, okay, we got to go get the guy. There's this scene where they go in the elevator and then they're like, okay, we got to get the elevator. All right. And then there's like, you're like, wait a minute, who pressed basement? Because now they have to wait for the, go down to basement for, it's just little things like that where you're right. Yeah. Like eighties, they did a good job of characterizing each henchman. Yeah, exactly. And like, I mean, Tarantino knew this. That's why kill bill has like, you know, the various fights that the bride has to have, like, you know, Oren Ishii and uh, oh, yeah. and, and Bill's brother, but you know, it's like each th th there was there there's arcs, you know, and that's the way video games are structured too. You know, you have multiple boss fights until you get to the main boss. So, I mean, to me, yeah. it's just easy marketing for more toys to be made. Um, not not like that. I'm encouraging more plastic or whatever, but the the, the point is like you don't you don't make the bad guys interesting enough to even warrant buying the toys. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, that's true. Yeah, and Playmo Hike Dog Bike, cool name. Um, he uh, he was bringing up Zatoichi. I don't know if you ever heard of Zatoichi because that's yeah. actually what it's based off of. There's different. So I've heard of Zatoichi. Um, um, oh, what was the? There was one that came out I think like in the early two thousands, and that same actor I think came out with another version. I hadn't seen it yet. Um, but I I love that stuff. Um, yeah. Um, Dan Vince, remember that red letter media bit described the following Star Wars characters? Somehow the sequels made it worse. Yeah, that's <laughs> I love red letter media. Yeah, they're pretty funny. It's funny because they they've done a good job of being able to like be negative, but in a hilarious way. And it's not to be taken seriously. You know, it's just it, I feel like they know how to do that. And most people have lost that art. Yeah, know. most people are just kind of like blindly angry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Speaking um, of blind fury. Yeah, there you go. Blind fury. Yeah, that's right. Um, okay. And then another thing real quick is the other thing that came in with that package was this uh, uh, MSD GM. It, it's just awesome. it's supposed to be just a standard GM. Um, what? It, but with the origin style. But what I've learned from Talos is, you know, there's a thing where the the GMs have that little chin yeah. thing poking out. And I think that looks weird. But even Talos was saying, even in Origin, there are GMs that exist without it. Like, there mm -hmm. were just some that had it and some that didn't. I don't know how much that was intentional or not. But yeah, so, like, the GMs that uh, that Sela pilots, at least in the manga, like, the GM that Sela has actually has, like, a finned, um, I don't even know how to describe it, like, a finned helmet. Oh, so it wow. kind of um it kind of looks a little bit like the Shenlong Gundam the way that the that the helmet fins out at the bottom and it also has that that chin piece. Okay. I'm going to check that out cuz I even have like the first issue of Origin I haven't even read it. I think I'm like halfway <laughs> or the first volume whatever they call it. Um but what I'm going to actually do with this and Rogue uh you know with his skills has been kind of helping me figure out what to do. I'm going to make this a white dingo GM. Nice. I, I think that's, that's I'm going to awesome. shave off that chin uh, and then, yeah, paint it just well, to make a modern one. Heads up, that missile pod. So build night last Friday, that missile pod is the part that I was that I was saying the guy wanted to paint because it comes with like a Stickers. dozen little red stickers to put to fill in the tips of the yeah, missiles. 
look at that that red that red what might look like a line is really millions of little dots <laughs> <laughs> which you know I don't, i'm gonna try it out because yeah. if you take your time with stickers they will turn out good they, they do be willing but you know i w when i was looking at the runners like because you know he was kind of showing it uh i was like you know there's a perfect little gap here in the red part of the runner that you could have put like two not not individual missiles to go in the missile pod that's too much i get that but like um if you if you have like the zazabi the high grade zazabi kit it has all three funnels are actually one piece that just sit inside the funnel rack so like what if that piece instead of being like you know all one color and then just you know making the missile pod one piece they could have made it to where you have like one piece of individual missiles that go through. Yeah. Am I articulating this? They, they do that with the Zaku uh, leg, the missile pods on their legs. Yeah. But I think there's some Zaku kits that do that. Yeah. That's a really good, that's a really good point. You know, giant Tacoma brought up something. They had GMs like that in eighth MS team. Yeah. And I'm looking at a ground GM that has that extra little chin that sticks out. Never yeah. realized it before. And then hold on, let me check my. Uh... Well, and Rogue New Type mentioned that the there's that ground war set that comes with the ground GM. The ground war set actually comes with two GM heads, one that's the anime accurate and one and that one... has the, the chin. So that's interesting. Like, I, I guess then the chin thing is really a consistent thing. It just really depends on how the GM was manufactured. Mm hmm. Um, that's amazing. I, I like uh, getting that information from everybody. That's, that's pretty cool stuff. Um, let's see. And then some other, uh, let's see for $30. They really could have made that missile part into a color. Yeah, I agree. I, it, it's interesting to see though, why they went with this. I'll, I'll probably figure out when I start putting it together because really someone had to be in a boardroom and be like all right guys here's what we're going to do with this gm part of the sticker sheets we're going to have 30 tiny red <laughs> stickers <laughs> and, and it, like, can't, yeah. <laughs> it can't be much more expensive to cast that extra plastic than it would be to have the laser cutter that goes in and die cuts each individual round hole for the stickers like yeah yeah it's it's very interesting that's why i feel like there has to be a reason it is done that way um yeah. I'll get to the bottom of it. That'll be a whole video. Why red stickers? <laughs> I don't know. That's that's I don't really care that much. Um, but anyway, no, I, I I'm I'm blown away now that I see this G like this the chin on this GM doesn't look as crazy or crazy not the word as like off as the origin ones look. Yeah, the origin ones almost seem like they're taller. Yeah, it, it's just kind of a weird. Yeah, so that's uh. That's interesting. Like, guys, right now my mind is blown, and I'm having trouble recovering. Um, <laughs> now that actually is the Ver Anime, uh, yeah, version of that GM head, because the I, I can tell you the high grade ground GM does not come with that head. It comes with like a flat, flat face. Interesting. Which I actually kind of like the flat face better, but you know. Okay. Yeah, I went to I went to just grab my other one real quick uh, from the seventh. Yeah, and it's the same thing. So, yeah, that's uh, but that's that's the robot spirits, right? Yeah, same thing. Yeah, ver anime. Both of these are ver anime. Um, yeah, so that, that's very interesting. Um, even looking at the slave wraith, same thing. Mm -hmm. Wow, the more you every day, there's something new to learn about Gundam. <laughs> they keep us on our toes oh there there we go ian had it at the same time um no so that's pretty cool um and you know what i like gms again because they're like the the x-wing fighter i guess in a way like or they're the clone troopers you know like so for instance i was watching zeta the other day and the thing there's this one shot i love and it's when i think emma i think it's when emma is first going to the argama Right, it's the Argama. Yeah. In that one. Yeah. And she's in the the RX 78. No, the uh, Mark II. Yeah. Yeah, the Mark II that's in Titan's colors. And behind her are all these Hyzaks. And so it's like if if I'm playing like a war game, 
that's I feel like that is like a what a division, a platoon, a squad. I don't know, like where it's like in, the, in BattleTech they call them like a lance. Where oh, it's like oh, yeah. Okay, but, but I mean, I guess in Gundam they call it a unit or a squad, right? Like a squad, whatever yeah. that, whatever that uh, smallest um, delineation of mobile suits. Yeah, is. where yeah. there's where Attachment. it seems like there's a leader type or like a general, and and I don't know if that's ever discussed. Is it by suit or is it by rank? You know, so Emma's in the Mark II, and then behind her are all these Hizaks. I'm like, okay, that's sick. That's like that's like the Titans, like standard defense, like when they're fighting. Uh, either attacking or defending, you know, it's almost like Darth Vader in his, in his tie in his Tie Fighter, and then the other Tie Fighters behind him. Yeah, exactly. You know? And so with, and I wonder how you know how accurate that is. Again, if if there's like a name for it, because I would love to do a video where it's like, okay, during the grips conflict, it, during the battles when they would send out a squad, it would be a there would be a general unit, and it would be this mobile suit. And then there would be the other ones. Like, is the Gaza Seas supposed to be like maybe a little higher up than the Hyzak? Well, that would be because the Hyzak was the Titans, yeah, um, default mobile suit. The Gaza was uh, Axis. Okay, then what that am I thinking good. of? Then what's uh, what was Jared like, in? Oh, like the Marisai? Uh, that's what I'm thinking of. The Marisai. Yeah. The Marisai would be like one above the Hyzak too. I would assume. Yeah. I think so. So like if you were to make like a uh if you were to make like a Gundam chess set, then yeah. the pawns would all be like high zacks. And then exactly. maybe like the knights would be Marisai's, the bishops would be like Gabthalays, something like that. And then of I course like the that. king would be the O and the Queen would be the Palace Athena. Okay. Or maybe maybe the uh Masala, I don't know. That's a good way to look at it though. Yeah, using kind of chess as a way to um yeah, to figure that out because I, I that's the part again. If I'm trying to find the essence distilled down to what I really like about you know the things I get into, like with Gundam, it is kind of like that squad formation. You know, 08 MS yeah. team does a great job of showing that off, which again, it's good to remember for when you're recommending a Gundam, 08 S team really does kind of show like the, the sort of logistics in a way of the combat, like of how. Um, and so that brings up yeah. a good point because it's like yeah. in eighth MS team, it's not like you had Gundams leading teams of GMs. You had a team of Gundams and then other teams of GMs. Like the Kojima Battalion yeah. consists of like different types of units. So like maybe the Marisai wouldn't necessarily be a commander unit, but it would be like a special forces unit, similar yeah. to like how the uh, the Jestas were in Unicorn. Yeah, where it's like the Jestas aren't necessarily you wouldn't send like one Jesta to lead a group of Jagans. It would be like you have a unit of Jagans, a unit of Jestas, and then one unicorn. So in this actually brings up another point, even though I kind of want to get back to the other one. A grunt no, I'm sorry. Suit. No, no, this is good. A grunt suit, because to me, a grunt suit is that mass-produced kind of lowest common denominator. We can get a bunch of these out. So like yeah. I wouldn't consider a Jesta to be a grunt suit. No. no. Okay. Because I think sometimes when people are talking about, oh, they want more grunt suits, their favorite grunt suits, I'm like, well, there's a Zaku 2 and a GM. Those <laughs> are grunt suits. Like, I don't know what other, you know, whatever else, I guess, was mass produced. Yeah, cannon fodder uh, suits. That's another Red good way shirts. to put it. Um, yeah, because, um, you know, so for the original uh, One Year War, um, we had, um, you know, the RX-78-2, that, and again, that was more of like a prototype to be like, okay, what can what kind of mobile suit we could build? And it just became kind of the leader or the general in combat. And you had the GMs, the gun cannons and gun tanks. And what's cool about all three of those is they had different functions. So it, yeah. that's also, again, easy to visualize kind of the formation. You had a GM that's just the general purpose mobile suit. You had um, the gun tank, which you would think ground-based, but no, gun tanks were in space. <laughs> too but they kind of have like their artillery even though the gun cannon does too but it different mobility yeah. um and were there any other federation suits later in the one-year war other than gm variants and gun cannon variants and gun i think that's about it yeah not that i can think of i think it was What's interesting is that in the original series the ball isn't introduced until much later oh, in the series yeah you know it, and 
it's kind of reverse of what you would expect because you think like the ball was like the first thing that they produced. But um, yeah, I mean, during the battle of a coup, it's like nothing but balls and GMs. And isn't it where that was what was produced first, but I guess in the original series, it didn't show up until later. Or are you saying that they produced it later? I guess so. You know, you know, I, I I would have to, I would have to go back and check some lore because exactly. But, uh, yeah, and, I mean, if if I were watching the show for the first time, you know, let's like take the internet away from it. Like, I would have thought that the ball was a new thing that they made. Yeah, you know, especially because it it was if it was supported correctly, it did well in combat. It mm-hmm. even showed in MS Igloo how those the hands that it had, the little arm uh, manipulators, were able to do a lot and help out. Um, a ball was designed to uh be a support for the gms yeah that's uh oh i love this i'm trying to come a video game idea ace combat one year war i would love a game where it's just like core fighters because yeah that's the other thing the core fighters before Mm -hmm. the mobile suits they were relying on like the aerial sort of combat or spaceship combat and there was core fighters and core boosters Mm-hmm. And I, I guess the idea of the core booster was maybe for longer range or maybe higher atmosphere or space flight. I mean, I guess the core fighter could, but probably have to be close range to its mothership. Um, yeah, because, I mean, the core fighter itself really is just a docking mechanism for the mobile suits, right? Yeah. Um, so, like, they had the the saber fish and what was the... Oh, yeah. There's like a different core booster type that they show in 8th MS team that's that kind of operates independently of a of a mobile suit. I think it's like the jet boot like jet core booster. Called, but yeah, got it right over there fighting the dop. Yep. Yeah. Well, uh, right right before uh Norris Packard cuts it in half, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that so um uh yeah, so that so that's something I want to dive into more and make videos about. It's like during the one year like war fleet composition fleet composition there you go great with words that's actually the best way to put it and and it's cool because even zeon with how they were a lot more um extreme with their production weapon development they had all they had more like unit types than the federation did you know because they had the zuda they had all the water-based ones they had you know the gelgoog um and i don't if it's canon or not the gaian you know even though they took it out of the trilogy um yeah Doms and all that good stuff yeah and so that's interesting because what it seems like then is the villains and this might be tropey for villains but we see this in later gundam is like uh, the characters had their specialized suits i mean that's even the thing in wing pretty much even though there's even though wing does a good job of showing like the leos or isn't it like is it the the sandrock has the magnax or something i forget what you call them yeah, the uh, I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but the Maguanak, Maguanak, Maguanak core. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then in Seed, I think Seed doesn't. I would even say Seed does a better job than OG Gundam of representing. Uh, what what did you call it again? Oh, fleet composition. Fleet composition. I gotta remember that. Yeah. yeah. Seed does a good job of showing off fleet composition. Yeah. Um. And and there's a lot of cool grunt suits. Uh. In Seed for sure. Um, let's see. Oh, let's see what, uh, Garagi Zirkov has to say. Apologies for butchering that. Although it would be awkward of the predecessors looking more advanced than the one year war. Um, okay. Yeah. Like you can't say the F-22 Raptor and then, uh, the actual core fighter, even during the Gundam 0079, the USAF, uh, we're rolling with the F-15. Oh, that's actually neat. I, I didn't know that because I guess the idea is, and I forget if this is canon or not, like 1999 AD, like all of that is canon. And then 2000 oh, yeah. is like just one UC, right? Okay. Isn't, isn't it something like that? I I was not aware of that because I thought that like double O kind of carries on AD. Oh, yeah, isn't I? I thought Double O set in AD. Maybe I. Uh, unfortunately, but, yeah that that would be cool to get. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm I'm not uh, sure what year it is that uh, that the Laplace bombing occurred <laughs> when it's like, hey, you know, farewell, Anno Domini. 
Yeah. Oh, he's saying it was yeah. just during the making of 0079. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, about the 15s. Yeah, and 00 is 80. Cool. Thanks, Johnny Tacoma. Sweet. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's cool. But yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned yeah. that because, like, you know, th- going back to, like, your example, and, and this is always something that's kind of interested you is, like, you know, the, the battleships and things like that. So, like, in Star Wars, you don't have as many, like, the bad guy faction just has TIE fighters. Just playing TIE yeah. fighters until you see Vader's, right? Yeah. Whereas the rebels have the x-wing which yeah. is kind of their default fighter and then you've got a couple y-wings as the bombers um they didn't introduce the a-wing until return of the return jedi, of the jedi. Is that right yeah and the b-wing and, and the b-wing the so it's almost like the rebel alliance has like these specialized unit fighters whereas i mean you don't really see any like tie interceptors or any of like the specialized tie fighters in the movies those are only in video games no the Re- return of the jedi has the interceptor and it does have the interceptor yeah, and then empire has the bomber but yeah. that's still not as much and in fact i think that's very interesting because if you look at gundam zeon is almost a rebellion they're, you know, they're rebelling against the sure. Earth Federation's influence over the Earth sphere. And so then they have this variety of weapons because they're kind of partly desperate, you know, part, you know, they have the money, I guess, because they've been kind of growing their own family, you know, legacy. Yeah. Um, and I guess in, if we get more background details from Star Wars, especially from Andor, we can see that they were people of family dynasties with a lot of money that were backing the rebels. So yeah. that can, it's almost... It's very interesting. Same things, but different sort of conflicts. Uh, yeah, very, very different uh, context going on, um, which, of course, begs the question, right? Because during the uh, speech, during Giran's famous speech, he says that Zeon has one thirtieth of the um, economic might of the Federation. And so it's like, oh, well, you know, how have we been able to crank out all these mobile suits and stuff like that? It does make you wonder, like, what was the Federation spending all of the well, Either A, you know, is Garen lying, which that's always on the table. Like, you know, people right. people tend to think yeah. that just because a character says something that that makes it true. Yeah. But, you know, if if we assume that Garen's telling the truth, then where is Zeon getting all of the money to create all these amphibious prototypes and these mobile armors and stuff? And the Federation's just sitting there like, we're, we're rolling the dice pretty hard on this white base thing, turning. <laughs> Like, <laughs> well, you know, that is interesting because if you look at Origin, they kind of try to set up the Federation being bad in a way. I guess they have the gun tanks rolling in and like, but I feel like there could be even more backstory of that, of certain colonies that are just impoverished, has nothing to do with Spacian versus Earthnoid, just, or I'm using the wrong, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> the wrong, what, uh, space pronouns, uh, <laughs> fiction, pro- I don't know, uh, but um uh, like what what if there were people that were yeah in this impoverished colonies and like earth federation is not helping us at all and then there was yeah it's easy to tap into these groups because you know i've learned when you hear about a side you know a col- that's a group of colonies yeah it's like a cluster and when i'm um playing this uh this Wii game uh the there's the screen where it kind of shows the story. So the text is crawling up and then the background is a 3d model of the earth sphere. And as it's spinning around and I need to get yeah, a raw file of this, it shows each cluster and the clusters are like shaped. Like one would be a cube of colonies. Another one would be like a star oh, of colonies. So I don't know if that's Canon. They made that up for the game, but that is also some interesting things to think about because due to, you know, trying to keep them in place gravitationally, they would have to distribute you know, probably the colonies to have them set in specific ways, you know, as they're circling um, or orbiting. Um, I find that interesting. Yeah, that stuff's very cool. Um, okay, so, you know, I'm going to move on here real quick because I, um, yeah, I had that video release on Monday about the how to play this, that Gundam 079 Sensen Wii game, which is a lot of fun. Um, it seems to have a lot to it. Uh, there's a story mode, there's a versus mode, you can do two player co-op and against each other. And then there's the ace mode where you can choose an ace pilot and you unlock them as you go. And it's, uh, the game has a side story with these characters and I've never heard of these characters before. No one's talked about them. There's even uh, a character that's like 
at the beginning, it's like openly gay because there's like this guy that's like new. And then this other guy's like, wow, you're cute. And I was like, what? <laughs> I don't know if that was a mistranslation or they're just saying, hey, that's a gay character. I don't know. Um, but uh, it, it's these new characters never heard of before. I, I, I don't really understand the story too much, but it seems like you're with Xeon, but you're in GMs. That's like the one thing that I don't understand yet how that happened. Um, I'll have to. Yeah. A lot of times when I play games, I, I'm playing for the gameplay and I skip the story. And then later I'm like, okay, why am I in a GM and I'm with Xeon? So. I mean, they kind of do that in uh, 0081 as well, right? Like when, when you oh, first launch in your yeah. first, in the first mission as uh, as the Invisible Knights team, you're like, wait a second, I've got a Zaku one, a GM, and I think a Zaku two, and you're like, why, why can't I get rid of this GM? <laughs> now they, I think the story is pretty good to explain that though. In the yeah. in the Wii game, it because in the Wii game it's supposed to take place during 0079, and it's like what? I I don't know. So. Yeah, I'll have to die because I, I that I'm gonna do a video of me reviewing game in general to let people know like how it is if it's worth your time. But then I want to do a video on the story because these are new side story characters no one really talks about. Um, yeah, and because you said it was like kind of a spiritual successor to Rise from the Ashes, um, yeah. just being a first person Gundam game, but uh, but it's not yeah. a direct sequel. Well, it's funny because yeah, not a direct sequel, and it's funny because the beginning, the opening splash screen is what I used in my video. It's just white dingo development or something like that, and it's like, yeah. wow, that's a direct callback to Rise from the Ashes. Um, yeah, so um, yeah, we'll have to. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll do some more videos on that one because there's another game I played, and I was shocked about this. So one was getting a 3DS emulator to work in the first place. And the 3DS emulator is fantastic because it allows you to choose a secondary screen. Yeah. So I had it set up where it was two screens. I have my I have a little monitor below my big monitor. And they have a Gundam game on there that looks really good. If it wasn't for the resolution of the 3DS itself, it would look amazing because the 3DS was pretty good for its time. It has what? lighting effects, particle effects draw distance and it's very it plays like the psp games it's just basic melee combat you know where you jump in you fight next level you jump in and fight i'll do a full review on that game but that is totally a hidden gem i think it's just called gundam 3d battle um <laughs> totally a hidden gem now do you think that you're missing much by not having the touch screen of the 3ds available to you because i know that like some games kind of rely on that gimmick but typically gundam games don't rely on the the console gimmick that's a good question so far no because what it seems to show are like the stats of your mobile suit like your gauge for your thrust so it, it leaves the ui clean which is really cool yeah i love that and um at your whoever the, the lady is that is like giving you your orders or whatever she'll like pop in on that screen like instead of like in the middle of yeah <laughs> yeah which is really cool and um I, but i'm wondering how more immersive or enjoyable it would be on an actual 3ds because i can turn on the 3d so i've been That's looking in 3ds's nowadays are super expensive except if you buy a japanese one the japanese 3ds's are you can for 120 get the new their version of the new 3ds xl it's called an ll and so i'm thinking of doing that um because i also wanted to get like all the castlevania games even though i've already played them i just like to have yep. them available but um, it, the thing is, like, it one from the the video I did about the Wii game. There's the patch that translated. That's awesome. The thing is, you need to have someone that can translate and has the ability to read game files in the way where they can create some sort of patch. The 3DS yeah. one would need that. Um, but from what I see, is not only could you patch an emulated game, but you could patch a game on a console. Like if there's some way to get to the root of it, you know, like um, like on a uh, PS2, I guess if you use um, like the disc swapping technique and you have the hard drive hooked up, you can, you know, load files onto it. So mm -hmm. it's it it's a crime, and it's one of these things where not only you know I'm all down for preserving these Gundam games, but also giving them all the the language options too. So anyone yeah. anywhere could play and enjoy a Gundam story from any game. Um, Cause, Cause yeah, a lot of these games are, 
are technically readily available. I think, you know, when I last time I checked on eBay, like 0081 was like 11 bucks, you know, so it's. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you could get a physical disc of these games, but like, who's yeah. going to buy it if you need to translate it as well? So, you know, like you said, to in in the best interest of preserving them and also a, a, attracting a new audience to the games that hasn't experienced it yet, it'd be nice to to have yeah. that kind of stuff. And maybe in our mutual uh, friend group, we can uh, we can identify. You know, hey, you you speak Japanese, and oh, you yeah. are a uh, you are a hardware oh, slash software developer. Yeah, you know, maybe we can um, find find some people to to do that. I'd love but... to do that, and I think the first one we should do is Missing Link. Yeah. So if anyone out there has any of those skills for that reach out to me because I'd love to kind of put something together where we can figure out how to patch some of these games. Um, but yeah, um, uh, yeah, I think that's, you know, I think that's about it for today. You know, again, not too much Gundam news coming out, just waiting for that uh, uh, Freedom movie to drop. Hopefully that's good. Uh, Steven, am I missing anything? Anything else? No, that's all I can think of. Okay. Well, one thing I will mention is um, here shortly, maybe within the next week or two, I'm going to announce the winner of the Gumpla for the supporters. And I'm going to start doing that. Uh, I, I think it makes it easy for me to track these people down when like someone wins something, I can get it to them. Um, so yeah, if you're a supporter, uh, um, yeah, yeah. If you're a supporter, you're already entered. So, um, against your will, against <laughs> you, your you're, will. you're, you're potentially getting a, a, a model kit. So, and you know, what has happened before too, is when there's times where someone has won something and then they, I let them know in the reply, Hey, give it to someone else or, you know, keep it or whatever. Um, yeah. if, if that's your thing, let me know, or, and I'll just draw someone else. Not a problem. Yeah. I mean, the first giveaway I ever did, um, the person just never responded to any of the emails or messages that I sent them. So I was like, all right, number two, <laughs> you know, that's funny. That's funny. Cause the first time I did a giveaway and someone won, they lived in Australia, which one that is in relation to Gundam, you see, but, um, <laughs> but two, that was like, okay, this shipping, oh my God. Um, but it was more of the, the, it wasn't a money situation. It was more of just a neat thing. Oh, I get to that is pretty cool. have a winner in Australia. So anyway. Okay. Well, that's about it. Everyone, thanks for joining. Uh, that was a good time. Um, have a good weekend. Uh, yeah, we'll talk next week. See y'all.